0: I don't know if you're familiar, Clay, but there's this—I think it's called Radical Honesty. There's a philosophy mm. called Radical Honesty, which uh, I heard about on the Making Sense podcast The Sam Harris, who interviewed a writer who— Who tried to do it for a month or something, which is basically the the idea that uh, it seems related to the idea of absolute candor, which is just you say what you're kind of honestly thinking in a situation. Um, The writer had a lot of funny anecdotes about it just because of how brazenly strange it is to have that kind of policy in a world uh, that doesn't really operate by it. But that's what I was thinking about with absolute candor. It was a nice little tie in. I don't know if you have any experiences trying to be 100% honest or something like that.
1: Well, in the spirit of absolute candor, I am sleeping with your wife
0: (laughs) and i'd like to have sex with you also that's the that's the hard part it has to be 100 percent open no we try to um with the kids we try to do the truth thing and like when you're conscious of how often you lie to kids for really no reason it it does stick in your mind is like how how frequently you just kind of like make white lies for no real reason like you just Mm. don't tell the truth and we try to be honest with the kids. So it's like around things of like when it sees a dead animal, like what happened to it? Avoiding the like it's sleeping. It's just sleeping in the road kind of answer um, <laughs> is well, difficult.
1: Well, you know, I, I the greatest piece of advice I ever got was uh, from the uh, Will Smith movie Concussion where he says, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Tell the truth.
0: <laughs> We're going to talk about absolute candor. The latest I didn't. Episode.
1: I I consciously. Did not do the for the accent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're being dishonest with your impression. We're going to talk about Absolute Candor, but first we're going to play the music. Okay, so Absolute Candor is the fourth episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard. It came out on February 13th,
1: 2020, written by... In Michael- Absolute Candor, I didn't watch the movie, I just watched the trailer. <laughs>
0: written by Michael Chavin, directed by Jonathan Frakes. In this episode, the crew's journey to free, cru- free Cloud takes a detour when Picard orders a stop at the planet Vashti, where Picard and Musiker. Relocated Romulan refugees 14 years earlier. Upon arrival, Picard reunites with Elnor, a young Romulan he befriended during the relocation. Meanwhile, Nara continues his attempts to learn more about Soji while Rizzo's impatience with his lack of progress grows. Absolute candor. Tell us with absolute candor what you thought about the episode, Clay.
1: Um, Romulan incest th- plotline nonwithstanding. Uh, this was my favorite episode so far. Mm -hmm. um i i think the you know things are getting moving a little bit i thought the acting was good i thought picard you know felt more like picard um the the romulan samurai guy didn't bother me as much as i thought it was going to or at least it hasn't yet he's not as bad as you expect
0: him to be really yeah
1: yeah, he uh, he kind of won me over. Where he, uh, uh, I forget what the line is that he has after he kills that dude at the end, but I was, it got enough of a rise out of me where I was like, okay, I'll give this guy a shot.
0: <laughs> um, do we want to get the um, Do we want to get the why the Romulan subplot is bad out of the way first? That's pro- sure. there's probably less to talk about. I mean, fundamentally, I think that the Romulan subplot in this one is the definition of treading water because I don't think yes. you don't learn anything new about this and. My only question to you was: Are they? Are we supposed to be getting the impression that Narek is kind of actually falling for Soji, or is that not the case? Because I, I think if I think if anything has changed, I think that's the only thing that can change is that Narek is actually starting to feel something for her. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think the script really supports that because when it, when they do their little sliding in socks on a freshly waxed floor routine, <laughs> it, it only comes across as him um, cynically trying to get into her good graces and like nothing has changed from his perspective so when they have these scenes where he's talking to his sister again about why it's not working it doesn't feel like anything has changed and i don't know if i'm supposed to think that something has changed
1: yeah if i don't think the script and the acting is clear enough to really tell you what's supposed to be going on because it's uh he's not um I, I don't get a sense that he his approach towards her or his, his attitude towards her is changing at all. He's been doing the same thing for four episodes, so it doesn't feel like there's a change in him that he's actually starting to care about her. And when he's talking to his sister, because he's trying to pl- be as stoic as possible, he's not letting on that that's the case either. So it's. You're not if he's going to play it stoic with his sister. If if the idea is that his approach, if his feelings are changing, if he if he's going to be stoic with the sister, you have to give some indication that he's actually kind of falling for her in the other scene. Yeah, uh, which they don't do, um, and they don't do vice versa either. The um, yeah, the only the only thing we really get out of that plot line this week is is that uh, Soji has memories of of being on the ship that brought her to the queue, but that, or Is that what it was, like the ship that brought her the cube, or some ship? They're, well, they're talking ship. about
0: the, the Romulan ship that was assimilated, right? I think that's what they're talking about.
1: I, I don't know. Is she talking because about another ship that took her there instead? I think so, because why would she be on the Romulan ship that was assimilated?
0: Uh, I honestly don't remember. Does she, she claims to have a memory of it or she was reviewing the files for it or something like that. I I thought she was trying to get the X because what she's trying to do in this is get the, the files from that ship, the Romulan ship that was assimilated, right? That's what their, that's what her goal is kind of in this when she's dealing with Narek or am I misinterpreting that?
1: No, that's her goal. I don't think she has ever does it though, because that scene ends up being Narek talking to her about her past. I think. Okay. Because unless I'm reading it completely wrong, because my my impression was that when they're, you know, having their weird up close and personal information dump, um, he was saying that the ship that she came over on which she has memories of being on she's not on the log for the ship.
0: Oh, I do, I remember that line now. Okay, okay, yeah. That that's a relatively small point, but it's important. Yeah, I, I think. Is that I mean they're they're kind of hinting that her that her past is made up. Like she, because right, she's an android, right. they she doesn't have an actual memory of what's going on. He he must be bringing it up in an attempt to get her to reveal the information about her where she came from, right? Yeah, so, yeah.
1: something like that. Yeah. But yeah, the whatever information they're actually there to get, I don't think they ever get. It's just an excuse for them to have, like, a, a sliding on the floor moment. What's that Tom Cruise um, movie
0: where he comes oh, in? Risky, Risky Business? Risky, oh, it is, right. We talked about that <laughs> in Real Ripe, too. It's Risky Business, yeah. Uh, we did not. We did Cocktail. Didn't we? No, Ripe, Risky was the best one. Risky's his highest rated. What? Isn't it?
1: We watched Risky Business?
0: Didn't we? What did we... <laughs> What's the
1: other one where he's the kid who... Uh, is that not re- I, no? You know what? You're right. No, you're right. I just have no memory whatsoever of doing that. We liked risky business too. It's a good movie. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, I I'm a reverse synthetic where I forget <laughs> things that I've actually done.
0: It was all. I'm just trying to trigger you to tell me where the other clays are, so I could follow you yeah. there and find. I them. just,
1: I just, uh, uh, Jason Bourne threw my desk next to me because he <laughs> triggered me.
0: But I, I think that's the reason that this storyline is so bad, is that it doesn't advance anything. And I, yeah, I don't think it's it changes the what, perspective.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just overall, it's not really clear what the end goal here is for, for anybody. Like, uh, <clears throat> I don't really know what Soji's doing other than just researching. And I don't really know what the Romulans... Brother and sister are after, other than just we have to get her. I guess. I guess at the end they're like we have to. I have to get her to tell me where the rest of them are. Yeah, they're they're looking but for you, Maddox as well, and they think that yeah. she's a key to get to Maddox. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 pretty pretty flimsy as far as plot go. Like like that that amount of plot or lack of amount of plot wouldn't bother me if the stuff that was actually happening was more interesting. Yeah. But it's not. So it's. It's it's every time Narik shows up, I just kind of roll my eyes a bit.
0: Yeah, it's it's treading water for the Picard storyline needs to catch up to that storyline so that when they both yeah. have the realization about where Maddox is, they can both race to him, I'm assuming is what's going to happen.
1: I feel like my metaphor is still valid. This does feel a lot like late stages uh, Gul Dukat. It does like, the, the treading water. Kind of yeah,
0: a... <laughs> he goes blind. Eric goes blind, in this episode and comes back next. Yeah, episode. it's
1: literally it's literally about a guy hanging around the chick he's banging while she does research.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's maybe it's a, a wonderful homage to that uh, <laughs> that final arc of Ducat and Wynn's uh,
1: storyline. What would you how would you feel about this show if you watched an interview with Michael Chabon and he was like, honestly, you know, my favorite. <laughs> Star Trek story ever was the Galducot Kai Win story, and I really wanted to bring some of that flair into Star Trek Picard. If,
0: if, if we managed to capture one percent of what that fire was put, putting out, I think that we were considering this show a success. I, I'd actually, I would consider that the world's greatest troll job by Michael Chabon and then maybe that's why mm-hmm. he left. He just couldn't beat that uh, paying an homage to that
1: storyline. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he can. Yeah, he at the at the, at the end of the season, he's like, I did it. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> This cave is on fire. This is a broad universe,
0: but it's only really what the only like the clash of the only band that really matters. The uh, this mm-hmm. Gold Ducat storyline is the only Star Trek plot that matters.
1: I used to live with the guy who liked paper books, I bothered him too. What did he used to do about it? Here's my dad,
0: he had to put up with it. What's your book about?
1: Existential pain of living with the consciousness of death and how it defines us as human beings. Well, that's not a conversation killer at all. I totally want to talk about the existential pain of living with the consciousness of death.
0: The rest of it, I agree. I think this is. I also think this is the best episode of the season uh, so far. What I think about it is that it is. The script for this one is by far the best, I think, out of all of them. I think that it actually has something to say. It kind of ties into um, previous characterization of Picard. To me, it feels like the only effective side character introduction for Elnor, which is that in the process of introducing Elnor to the viewers of the TV show, you also learned about how Picard's past tied into him more effectively yes. and like yeah. in a way that Rafi's was just like oh I quit and you got fired and you're like what the fuck is that storyline like how does that tie those two together Elnor feels like he's an appropriate person to re- to bring into this new Picard show and even though we don't know him you get a sense of how he's be- like bound to use their word to Picard and it makes sense when he comes in
1: yeah I mean that scene at the beginning when with him with a kid does a lot of heavy lifting for that stuff it's way more effective than uh the flashback scene with raffi where she's like hey jl what's up and he's like i quit my job oh fuck you yeah yeah you know get out of here yeah like um i liked i liked all that stuff the only the one thing that i thought was missing and i was actually kind of surprised that they didn't do this is um in the scene where picard is explaining why he needs elnor is that his name elnor e-l-n-o-r elnor um and he's like, "Why do you need me?" And he gives you like, "Well, you know, you're a good fighter and stuff." And he's like, "No, why do you why do you need me?" And he's like, "Well, you know, you keep a tight ship." <laughs> and, and and then he's like, "Ah, uh, no, I'm out of here." I was really surprised that, that that he didn't do the thing where he's like absolute candor, Picard. Why do you need me? And then he gives you the emotional answer. Yeah, you know?
0: I th- I think that's an <clears> example <throat> of the the script being good though because I I think that when he storms off it the show doesn't necessarily need to bring attention to the fact that elnor is not respecting his lack of candor in that situation mm-hmm. um like i the the candor thing is really interesting to me because it's a very effective romulan um characterization i think which is it's it's slightly confused because they say that these these warrior monks or whatever are actually considered to be kind of outcasts by romulan society themselves so mm. however if you think about like the 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 history of these guys, the Romulans split from the Vulcans. And so it's always been been a little bit weird that the Romulans aren't more of a hot-headed race than they're portrayed to be because you'd think that the reason they would split from the Vulcans would be the rejection of this logical lifestyle that they don't want to right. live. And these monks are that for me. They they are by embracing this idea of absolute candor, they are completely mirroring the Vulcans that they split right. away from, and I think that that's really effective, and it's a, it's a good way to portray the Romulans.
1: Yeah, I actually didn't really under per- uh, appreciate that the Romulans in general were just kind of like evil Vulcans, like they they maintained the same sort of coldness that the Vulcans have, yeah. except they, you know, their arched eyebrows were evil eyebrows, secretive. They're secretive, and just- they're secretive yeah. instead
0: of telling you the facts. Yeah, they hold on to the facts. Um,
1: so yeah, when, when he when they explain this idea of of this subset of, of Romulans who are the exact opposite of that and of the Vulcans, I was like, Yeah, that's a good that's a good addition. I like that. And <clears throat> what I
0: I think it's and I think that it's like thematically just ties into the the script of where they need to be at this point and this idea of like um I think the series is starting to deal with more of the philosophical ideas at this point. Like, they got the introductions out of the way in the first three episodes, and now they're kind of moving into a different realm of um, space that they want to take it. I think if there's any problem, it still feels slightly it still feels slightly like either rushed or just detached from me being able to understand where Picard is at this point. Like the the first three episodes I think needed to do a better job of laying where Picard is at this point in his life because when you get to episodes like this, even though I think that this one works pretty well, it's still it's it's kind of you're you're kind of just reaching to really understand where Picard sits with stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's the one weakness, although I do like this episode. It's just that because we've had this 14 year stretch where we haven't seen Picard, it's difficult to completely get a good grasp on where he stands in the context of all these ideas that they're giving you. Right. So like if he'd been if he'd been portrayed as dishonest or something, and they don't have to go down this way, but if he'd been portrayed as Lying to himself about things, I think the idea of absolute candor comes in a little bit more of a hard light on him at this point than it than it does in this as a sort of one off idea that it seems to be in this episode.
1: Yeah, I hope if they if they keep doing the flashback thing, um, we get more flashbacks to like ten years ago or like five years ago, just because there's so the, the the fourteen year gap is so. Is such a blind spot at this point like we know we, we know how Picard felt about the destruction of Romulus Right. yeah you know we know what he tried to do we know that he failed to do it we see in this episode how that affected uh his personal life and his personal relationship with the Romulans I would like to know yeah what what he how he was dealing with things five years after that whether it's you know uh being frustrated on the vineyard or I feel like there's an opportunity where you can fill in some of that backstory uh, in a way that would be satisfying. Um, I would love to see, not to jump to the end here, but uh, hopefully maybe that involves how he knows Seven of Nine, because there's no real reason he should know who Seven of Nine is. Yeah,
0: yeah, outside of her being a very popular Wikipedia entry or something. Yeah, he's never met her or anything, but maybe it's just reputation alone, or the series assumes it's reputation alone. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. seven there's not even really much to say about her i know the the Trek fandom went crazy but she's she's just ended at the end um
1: that was like i i can't that was a pretty haphazard introduction if we're being honest yeah, like yeah i'm sure they'll explain what she was doing there or whatever but it was still i don't know it was kind of clunky
0: yeah it's it's very much a uh we need a button to end this to get to the next episode so yeah. we'll, we'll introduce seven at this point i think uh What I, what I, the other thing that I like about this, like, and why I think the script works is the, it's, it's playing, it does a much better job of avoiding the meaningless sort of plot ping-ponging that the Discovery show tends to do, and what I feel that Mm -hmm. the first three episodes of this show did a lot, because it had to get the pieces into order, and just the, there's a, there's a moment in here where, uh, Early on, the Romulan monk has a line about uh, promises are a prison to you. Like, don't mm. don't ever make. What is her What is her actual
1: quote? He only school and didn't say
0: this. She's,
1: don't make uh, Don't make a promise because a promise is a pr- uh, sorry. A promise is a prison. Do not make yourself someone else's jailer.
0: Yes, a promise is a prison, Elnor. Mm-hmm. Do not make yourself another person's
1: jailer. Just so everyone knows, that doesn't work when you're talking to your wife or husband. <laughs> That's not going to go over well. <laughs> and. In a way that none of the other episodes have
0: done, the episode uses that as a springboard to show everyone else's reaction to Picard. So when he has that scene with the uh, the Romulan senator who's now living on this planet, they have a <laughs> they have a moment there where Picard, in a moment of <laughs> frustration, says, I promise that's not what I tried to do. And the Romulan says back to him, like, no one cares about your promises, which, which isn't a direct callback to this idea of being a prison, but Picard is bound by the guilt of his promise that he made and he couldn't fulfill. And the script is just – the script to me succeeds because it's layering that stuff in a way that's not so heavy – ham like ham-fisted or heavy-handed or anything like that. And I think it just – it flows much better and you're actually left to think about things instead of just being told what's going on and then raced off right. to another plot point.
1: Yeah. I found the senator thing kind of funny because it's like – at- Imagine if that happened on Earth, and like you, you're wandering through town, and all of a sudden, are confronted by like Chuck Grassley with a sword, <laughs> <laughs> or like Jim Jim Jordan shows up with a with a couple of nunchucks ready to throw down. Right? <laughs> He's been waiting 14 years for this. It's it's been yeah. a long time. Yeah, I mean, I guess
0: it's the uh, the surprise of. To show you the, how far the Romulans have fallen. They're now kind of like cowboy westerner types who just live yeah. out in the desert and stuff like that. The, and the other thing is. Don't I wear sunglasses kind of funny. It's very strangely in this know, bright sunlight. Apparently.
1: Uh well, you know, it's a it's a dry sun. Hmm. Um, the other thing that I found kind of funny, and I understand why they did it, but they didn't do a great job of, of showing why they needed to do it, was the Romulans only sign. I did not get the impression that there was anybody other than Romulans <laughs> on that planet. <laughs>
0: It seems like an empty planet other than this little yeah. troop of Romulans living there, yeah. Yeah.
1: Unless they just have to make sure that the one outsider who comes every like 6 years knows his place.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> But I get it. It's fine. It's it served its purpose. They are. They've 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 become isolated uh and sort of lonely there. I mean, if anything I have a fear is that they're inserting so many different themes where like that that romulan speaks about feeling betrayed by starfleet and stuff like that and that they they think this was all done as a plot by starfleet in order to um splinter an enemy of theirs to like cause confusion and sort of distrust amongst the romulans and would cause all these problems Mm -hmm. i don't know if if anything i i don't know if there i don't know if there's really an Overarching theme to the series at this point or if they're some, kind of like touching in on a bunch of different points and seeing, then seeing what works and going forward with that but um it does seem a little bit i don't know I, I don't know where the series stands and if it's going to be like an episode each episode brings up something new or if they're going for something more serialized in nature that this is going to portray over the entire series it, it seems like we're in a sort of well, it depends on what the next episode is with the eye patches and casino land or
1: whatever but we'll, we'll see where I'm- it turns at that point. I am very excited for that episode. Yeah. It's gonna be that, that that seems like uh some classic T N G bullshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe they go back to the Royale. That'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean it feels like this uh it feels like the idea of uh failing to keep promises and also the inevit- inevitable march towards death seem yeah. to be the uh the two main, the, themes. The main themes. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I mean, those are both crowd pleasers. Well, I mean you
0: know? they they <laughs> they tie in together here pretty nicely. I think yeah. that um I think you get you get a good sense of Rios here, I think, which was people were kind of being dismissive dismissive of him as saying that he is a character who's obviously a narcissist and full of himself and that's why he makes the EMHs and copies of himself. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing something deeper than that. What I think what my understanding of Rios at this point, or what I would assume is his thing, is that because he's reading this book and he's talking about the um, living, how do how do humans live with the knowledge that they're going to die at at a certain point? Mm-hmm. The the holograms to me are a way that he is choosing to live forever. It's a way of like propagating himself, and mm. he can't die if these EMHs live, and he's extending his life through this technology and. He, at his core, it reflects his, um his, that, the fact that he thinks his life is over post-Starfleet, they had that scene in the previous episode where Picard is like, you can f- pretend all you want, but I know that you're Starfleet. He's, he's trying to find meaning in his life outside of Starfleet, and he's trying to find a way to put that meaning into living, uh, for like having a, a reason to live or a reason to extend himself. And I think that there's, if they don't touch on it, that would be my takeaway as to why Rios is this way and why he does things with the EMHs.
1: That's interesting because my, my read on the hologram thing is actually that it's this weird form of self-loathing mm-hmm. because he doesn't – he does not like the holograms, any of them.
0: Yeah. And yeah. uh, any time
1: <laughs> they come up, he's like, I, I hate these things. He I hate tells that the, fucking hospitality hologram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he hates the hospitality hologram. He tells the, the doctor to get out of his face really yep. pretty quickly. Uh, he's reluctant to bring up the autopilot guy. Um he clearly has a disdain for the holograms who all look like him, so I imagine there's some sort of self, I'm sure he's got some sort of thing in his past that he's not happy about or something. I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I I think that ties into it too. I think that he can because he doesn't see meaning outside of himself not being in Starfleet, for whatever failure he had in the past, he, that's his self loathing of himself and it also means that that's what ties into his reading that book, which he says is about the existential dread of death at at uh, at the end of his coming to the end of your life and things like that i I think he has he has potential they haven't really touched on him. I imagine they will at some point, but he he's starting to come together in a way that doesn't seem as much of as just like a gimmick they had as a crew that looks like him it feels like it has meaning
1: yeah has um has anybody <laughs> i would be shocked if they if they don't make this joke if they've never made it in Star Trek before where someone introduces seven of nine and they're like this is seven of nine and then the rakish rogue says no she's at least a,
0: a ten out of ten <laughs> <laughs> hasn't happened yet they don't really have the um yeah uh, Rios has, hasn't really been portrayed as the ladies man to this point there is no ladies man character so I don't know who, mm. who would have to come in maybe they're saving it for Riker to make that joke and come in <laughs> uh Let's see here. The, the Rios making the plans, making the promises. Yeah, I I would agree. I think that the the theme is going to be the sort of like inability to live up to your promises and promises being a prison, don't do that and stuff like that. Um, and I thought that this episode and the script in general just did a good job of setting up those two uh, perspectives and two themes.
1: Yeah, I think the themes are are, are really str- – like I, I think that's one of the strong points of this episode is it, it's really starting to solidify some of those themes. That have been there since the first episode, but they're starting to, you know, they're they're starting to, uh, uh, the jello is starting to solidify. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got um, Picard's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, illness that he's he's dealing with that I don't think anybody else knows about yet. Um, And that's just kind of hanging over everything. And it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, the whole series seems to be about regret. Yeah, and and not having enough time to to fix the problems that of, of your past, essentially, right? Um, and uh, I mean that's a that's a solid solid way to go, I think.
0: Yeah, I I, I wonder how
1: to like I I do I think that Bruce is, Maddox regrets that he never managed to get his hands
0: on that pesky data, right? <laughs> he's he's lived his life uh, knowing that that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I I guess that um. I don't even know if it's a problem but it like the themes like that are interesting when they when they're choosing to pair it against the bigger story like the Romulan relocation effort and then the Borg cube and stuff it almost feels like it's a um a strange mix of very small personal problems mixed with the epic and I don't think it's a problem it's just that sometimes when you have like these big epic storylines what you like what you think the Borg cube is leading to and the Romulan stuff you 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 kind of maybe get dismissive of the smaller Picard struggles, potentially, Uh like because you have to resolve the bigger plot issues. And I I hope that's not the case. Like, I I kind of would have preferred the series if it was a smaller, low key thing that was like almost entirely on Earth or something. And you didn't have this Borg reclamation project because I think Picard at this point is more built for that kind of a storyline than sort of warping off to find the artifact and things uh, along sure. that nature. So that's my only concern is that because they have these other bigger storylines, you won't get the focus on the stuff that works in this episode quite as much as I think you might want to.
1: Yeah. I also, I'm not totally sure that they're going to finish that larger story in this season. I don't think that they're going to honestly.
0: Okay. Well, what, um, uh, what largest story? You mean the, the Borg thing or the, the, yeah, long ones? Uh, the
1: Yeah, the Borg stuff, uh, mainly because we're five episodes in and I'm not even sure what the bad guy is that they have to stop other than they have to just find Soji. So I don't think that there's going to be much of a resolution there in the next five episodes, especially the way it seems like they're going, because it actually seems like they are going a a bit more low key as far as these stories go like this this story was not you know a a super flashy space adventure until like the last five minutes but um and it looks like next week is another sort of like almost episodic feeling uh let's all put on disguises and infiltrate the space casino yeah yeah uh and free all the giant racehorses or something (laughs) um (laughs) we can hope but yeah uh, but you know what I mean, where it's like it feels like if that's if if you're five episodes in and there's not really like a, a clear threat that they're up, they don't even know like what the threat is at this point. Right. And so unless episode five is the turning point where it's like, OK, now we know what we're what we're fighting against, what, we're, what the time we, we figured out where Soji is. We know why we have to get to her. We know what the stakes are. I don't think that that's going to be something that gets fully resolved. My theory is mm, hello. Um, my theory is that they will get Soji at the end of the season, but the larger story of her being hunted down or needed by the Romulans is not going to wrap up. I think that's probably going to continue into season two.
0: Yeah. If if I were to guess, I would, I would assume that the, the Borg, Romulan Borg cube would be the main storyline that kind of continues into a second season. And, Mm -hmm. um... Finding Soji makes sense by the end of it and sort of figuring things out from there. She would become a main cast member at that point, probably becomes a little bit more of like a data analog or, potentially.
1: I I I wouldn't even count on them like bringing her onto the team. I could see them getting to her and then maybe at the end of the season she leaves with Narik. So my I'm thinking maybe they end up making it to the Borg cube and in their attempt to find her and get her out of there is when the green badges start going off. Whether or not maybe Narik sets it off on purpose, you know, like yeah. some sort of distraction. Yeah. And in the chaos of the Borg coming back to life to kill everybody, uh, she, uh, Narek grabs her and is like, we got to get out of here. And so, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll see. Yeah.
0: Uh, Cause it is, um, we are sort of running out of time for any other set of, They're They're still setting things up, really. Like, they they just picked up another crew member for this one. And, uh, you know, there's, there's only so much time left in the 10-episode season. I'm just surprised by... That would almost, to me, mean rewrites on some level. Because I'd be surprised if they... Like, you don't know... They did get a second season, but they, they must have pitched it to Stewart as if it would be multiple seasons. It just seemed, it seems like it's a kind of a risky venture, given Patrick Stewart's age and everything, to really
1: stretch out storylines that way and not just get yeah. them done one at a time. But we'll I'm see. legit shocked. I'm legit shocked that they're doing more than one season. I thought it was going to be like a one and done thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> I, I think I'd be more worried if it was supposed to be a one and done. Like the pace of where we find ourselves right now, halfway through it, I'd be like, "Ooh, this is like I don't know what yeah. I don't know what they're going to do to close this out in a very satisfying way." But because there's a second season, I feel a little bit of a relief.
1: Yeah, I don't mind the pacing because there's a second season coming. But yeah, if I was surprised that it was it wasn't a one and done when they announced it. But by the time it started, we knew that it was going to be two seasons, so I'm not totally worried about the pacing of it. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, at least that they seem to realize that it's not really so much about the bigger space stuff. At least I hope that's the way it's going, where it's like, yeah, the big space stuff is going on, but it's more about Picard and you know him dealing with the stuff that he's dealing with.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that does seem to be the – That seems to be the battle between what the scripts want to do is whether or not you, you know, if if I'm to draw generalizations without knowing anything, it would be like Chabon to me would strike me as the writer on staff who would actually be more interested in the Picard journey because he had that New York Times thing where he wrote about his father dying, uh, coming to the end of his life. And in that New York Times story, he was talking about like how he wanted this Picard story to be about dealing with the end of your life and like Mm -hmm. what what the right way to approach that is the Kurtzman style of storytelling, and I'm not saying that this is like the direct battle, but it's like the Kurtzman production side likes the big epic space stuff on top of things. Right. Like they're they're more right. prone to the Borg cube uh, st- side of this equation. So if anything, I, you have to see how well those mix by the end of it. But I, I mm. certainly prefer Chabin's approach in, in dealing with Picard as a kind of low-key old man that he is, but fleshing it out. And I think that... What he did here really well is you'd said this feels the most like Picard out of anything. I loved the first scene in his holographic office. With, yeah, with I was everybody, the same thing. Yeah, just the way he says "come" when people yeah. ring the doorbell is like, "Oh, it is Picard," and he's talking to them. And I, I thought that was the cast as the most comfortable that I've ever seen all of them yeah. together and acting as if they were a crew that was doing things. And he, he was playing Stuart or he was playing Picard, like an older version of Picard, but it was still recognizable as Picard in command at that point. And right. I, I liked it.
1: Yeah, and I also like the way that he interacted on the bridge too, where he was. Uh, um you know, I, I, what did he? He made some when he stepped on Rios's thing. toes and stuff. Yeah, of I thought Rios that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that they're doing a little bit of that stuff without bringing too much attention to it. And that was a nice one where it's like, I, I'm sorry, force of habit. It's, it's not the
0: Chris Pine true. and uh, Thor in the MCU. I mean, as funny as those scenes are, it's not as like obvious as those two battling for control of the Guardians or something like that. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that, well, that would be pretty funny too. <laughs> not Chris Pine. What am I? Th- it's uh, uh, Hemsworth. No, uh, Pratt, Pratt, Chris Pratt and Hemsworth, yeah, all yeah. the Chris's. Just yeah. put all the Chris's <laughs> into a movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I I like that stuff too. And Rio, like, I, I am I'm a bit relieved that Rios is not like chafing under the command of Picard. Like, that's not his characterization. Mm-hmm. Just to be like, this is
1: my ship, and I get to do make all the orders. Well, what's also nice about that holodeck scene is it implies to me that they ha- they're going to have essentially ready room scenes that right. they don't have yeah. in in discovery where uh, I guess I guess technically they won't be going back to earth now because we know that he has a holodeck. Of no, his, we were wrong us. about that. But what a yeah.
0: strange twist to make his to make mm-hmm. him have a, holo- a holodeck that he just turns into his office back in the vineyard. It seems like what like what I guess what does that mean? Is that a regret? Like what he just escaped from there saying that he never really felt at home on the vineyard, yet his first choice is to make his office his vineyard.
1: Yeah. I feel like it was a production thing more than anything else. Okay. It was like we have We have the space. We have we have Patrick Stewart for like Three weeks, how much of this can we shoot in this one location? Yeah,
0: I, I, I wonder about it. I think it's, if it is a production choice, it's probably one of the worst ones you could make just because I think that Picard, if anything, I would think that Picard would make something more like his Enterprise Ready Rooms, that he's kind mm-hmm. of like trying to relive those uh, moments or something. But I, I don't, I suppose that's the one. The one problem with it is just I'm I'm still not 100% sure I really understand where Picard stands as a character. yet. Yeah, it's like sure. I I don't know if he's really regretful or misses his time on the Enterprise or if it's something else that's going on or if he like wants to go back to the Chateau. I just I feel like I know that he's unsettled and he wants to get justice for Soji, but outside of that I don't really know what his like internal
1: mindset is in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh he's you got kind of an idea of where he stands just about like himself I think but the yeah some of the larger stuff is is still a little bit uh a little bit hasn't really locked in yet.
0: Yeah. It almost feels like there's too many threads to it. Like he doesn't have a single cohesive like problem that I can focus on. It feels like it's more of a a general sense of regrets but I I I would I would like to see a little bit more of a clarification about that. I think this one did it with the Elnor stuff, which is that he lives deeply in regret, but I don't I don't know how that ties into his outward uh looking ways and that he like he looks at the ready room, he looks at the chateau, and he has all this stuff. So it it is what it is and we'll see if it moves going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh anything else? Any other big points for this one? I think we've got all the big points on my list.
1: I'm uh I'm looking forward to Picard cosplaying as uh Chief O'Brien as a bad guy with the <laughs> eye patch.
0: <laughs> with the uh, the Chief O'Brien goes undercover episode of GS9. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Prodigal daughter. They have to bring Ezri back into this or Dax or something like that.
1: I don't I don't understand. Oh what no, I, no, no. I'm thinking about go. the one the one where uh they go into the holodeck, holosuite program. Oh the, the
0: the my man Bashir or the the, the yes. Bashir 007 yeah, one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but I'm not. Um, I won't judge it until we get to it. But that that seems an interesting choice that they're going down to do the uh, the casino planet at that point. Um, let's see. We got Rafi. We got Rios. We got all this absolute candor. We talked about that. Anything else? Anything else that you have in uh, your list of things to say, or like uh, if you wanted to sum up your thoughts? I guess at this point.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh... Like I said, I think it's my favorite one so far. It it felt the most like a TV show to me, if that makes sense. Like it it felt like everything, everybody kind of felt kind of in the groove. Uh, they were telling a a, a, f- a fairly nuanced story involving a bunch of different plot lines, but it's all tied together thematically, which was nice. Um, yeah, I hope I hope something interesting happens with the with the Romulan borg stuff and soji and, and Narak because it's just yeah it's it feels you know i i don't want to i don't want to write it off because of that like i it was i don't know if it's quite this bad but it was reminding me of the first season of uh ash versus evil dead i don't know if that's a show that you watched at all no i don't think so so it's the first episode is really great uh directed by sam raimi you know gets you right back into the swing of the evil dead movies and whatnot but they introduced this secondary plot line about a uh, police officer who's like whose partner gets possessed and then gets killed and so she's like hunting down the mo- I don't know it, it was terrible it was just first of all usually adding a cop to a story is a a a, a death knell for your story because mm-hmm. it's almost never interesting um but it was it was it was tough watching the season because the stuff involving Ash and the new characters that they created was so good but that other stuff was so bad. Uh, thankfully, they got rid of it for the second season. It was way better. But it, it feels like one of those things where it's like we're gonna put this in there. Hopefully, it all comes together, and it just never really did. It like the the whatever the 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 germ of the idea was never really really sprouted. Yeah. Um. And I'm hoping that's not the case. But we're we're halfway through, and like nothing has happened. To, so well, yeah, to me, it feels like. It feels very much like a very stretched-out
0: version of Kurtzman-slash-Discovery writing, which is that they, they, they're they hoping that the reveal is going to be worth the wait to get there. And what it seems like to me is that I'd be shocked if it's not some kind of universe-shaking revelation about the Romulans or the Borg. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it, it, it will... Because they're tying in this whole... Um, uh, mythology that they keep talking about, like the they, the Romans have their tarot cards and they're building these things and they're portraying them as having this uh, destroyer prophecy that's going to come true. It, sure, it feels to me that maybe the season even kind of ends or has this penultimate episode with this reveal of what this like why all of this has come together. And at that point, you'll either like that or not like it, but it won't have made up for all the time it took to get there.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's tough because. <sighs> I don't even feel like that they're really setting up a mystery at this point. Like, it's that uninteresting. At least at least on Discovery, when they were doing that shit, it was like, okay, clearly they're setting you up for some sort of big reveal. I just don't care what the reveal is because it's not really working for me, and either that or we already figured it out. You don't think the this Romulan one-
0: ship causing the Cascade failure is that mystery? I would agree. They don't stress it. They're not hammering it, saying like, "We got to get those files. We got to know what happened to this Romulan ship." But I, I think that that's what they're driving at.
1: Yeah. What was the cascade f- failure? When the
0: the reason that they have the Borg cube is because when the Borg assimilated that Romulan ship, it shut down the Borg cube for some reason.
1: Oh, I see. Okay.
0: So there seems to be some. There seems to be some kind of either link or. History that would cause Romulans to cause the Borg to fail at, at, for some reason, so so
1: I wish they kind of were a little bit more forward with that because that at least is a mystery you can kind of grasp onto, yeah, but I feel like so they like they did that thing again in this episode, which I don't think is going to come back. I think it was just idle conversation when they're talking about Vashti the planet. And uh Rios is like, Yeah, that place is uh is a lawless land, you can't go there anymore and, and Picard's like, I thought it was protected by the something something Rangers and they're like, Well, the Rangers haven't been here in a while. Yeah, it felt very ever Star Wars y,
0: that whole conversation, yeah, yeah.
1: Ever since they traded uh damn yeah, I mean, it, I can't think of a hockey player. <laughs> um
0: but uh, it was a bad joke. But it was also uh, it's also a weird planet. They're like, Well, it's it's heavily armed, uh we gotta wait seven minutes to beam you in.
1: Like, when, well, they had to. They also had to pay money or something.
0: Oh, did they have to pay? It just seemed like a weird lead up to be like, "Well, it's going to be difficult to get you down there." Oh, never mind. We'll just beam you down right now. It, it felt like what was the point of this discussion? Just to show you that the planet is not very hospitable to strangers or something, but you can still get down there very easily. It seems.
1: Yeah, well, I guess the uh, uh, they needed to like talk their way in, yes, and uh, I guess ultimately give the doorman a bribe at the giant. Spaceballs. okay
0: because all you know is that picard's name wasn't enough to get them onto the planet so you you assume that they had to pay them or give them something that they wanted to get through yeah
1: but uh you know like there's i feel like they're doing a little bit too much um quick talk exposition storytelling in the in these episodes where it's like like they did in the first couple episodes where they just go on at length about the tal shiar and the uh (coughs) the
0: other thing i can't remember the, what it's called the jat vash
1: something like that there's too many ja and v sounds
0: in this show yeah they're the and those together. noises i think yeah, yeah.
1: <clears throat> um but i felt the same way when they're talking about the rangers and it, it, all that stuff you're talking about the cascade and the ship causing the breakdown i feel like that's just stuff that's coming out in like quick dialogue bits and so i'm missing some of it yep So it's not really – they're not really leaning into the stuff that's supposed to be the this is what you're supposed to grab onto stuff. Maybe that's just me not paying attention. I don't know.
0: No, I think that's a holdover of Discovery's style, I think. Um, I would say that the – I would say that it is easy to miss because the Borg shutdown was done over a line of dialogue. She kind of brings it up here again, but I think it's just that – it's what we talked about in the previous podcast. Like if the characters aren't telling the audience what's kind of important or what they think is important and they're just talking about stuff very um, evenly about a whole bunch of topics, you have a hard time latching onto what you think the plot is supposed to be or like what right. you think the, the case of it. I think that the the board cube is an example of that, which is that the mystery feels ungrounded because we don't know what's important about the files that Soji is looking for. And we don't know... What kind of devious plot Narik has in store for her? Because his plot seems to be, I'll just fucking kick her around for a little bit until she opens up and tells me where the things are. Right, so you, right. you you just don't know what anybody is driving at on that plot, even though I I know what their end goals are. I don't I don't think that their actions to get to those goals are very interesting or riveting or keep yeah. you on the edge of your seat.
1: And what what is uh, Narik's sister doing on that ship? She's just hanging around in a in a tight skirt, walking around being evil. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, she she's not like. Why did she have to go there? Uh, she she's like, oh, what, has there been one scene with them that couldn't have been done via hologram? Uh, no, like the first time.
0: Yeah, like the first time they talked was via hologram.
1: Yeah, she's yeah. she she's sewed up and hang out. I mean, I if anything, you would think, especially if they have that capability where you can it's not like a view screen you can actually shoot the scenes with the two people in the same scene it should feel like her coming to the cube is a big deal right like yeah. like narek is running out of time to get it done his way she's on her way with the uh uh val valerie bertinelli hit squad
0: yeah 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 no i'd agree with that i, I don't know what she's doing just hanging out and you would think that that would be a um i'll see you in two days narek you better have my money by then
1: um, yeah exactly yeah. yeah like the like the end of uhf yeah where right. they're like uh oh, mr mr big's coming <laughs> to collect on the money at midnight on tuesday yeah there's just
0: it's that's just a bad relationship just because you do i don't think narek we don't have nearly enough sense of what narek feels about this i think that's really the problem uh with that like it don't, i don't know what his motivation is or what he's trying to do or his perspective on things so it's it feels like it's just killing time
1: which is unfortunate and i'm I, maybe they're going to do this. I don't know. But I'm also surprised that they haven't had her. Uh, the What's the sister's name? Do you remember? Rizzo, which is a very funny
0: name. It's Rizzo. Rizzo?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like the rat from the Muppets?
0: Yes, or the uh, Jerky Boy character.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that they haven't had Rizzo uh, interact with, with Soji at all. Like, it feels like that's the kind of thing they would do where, like, she goes and gives the you know i'm 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 going to do things my way if you're not careful to to narik and then like right after that he sees her like run into her right in the in the cafeteria or yep. something yeah and she's like oh hey hi i'm new here i'm going to kill you which well, doesn't say that but it's like one of those things where it's like the Narek subtext sees, is everything yeah yeah narik sees her make contact with soji so his his hair starts standing up a bit you know that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah no they they haven't done that um they've kept the relationship purely focused on Narek and Soji which would be fine if it was actually a conflicted relationship, but I just don't get that sense, so it's it's failing on that in that way. Uh, that's it, let's take a break, we'll play an audio clip and then we'll come back and give our final thoughts about Absolute Candor
1: We had so little time There were so many of you to save So little to be expected from Starfleet I did everything I could And then you gave up Scantle! Vedrin! No one asked for your pity, Picard. Just as no one asked for your help. You and Starfleet had no understanding of Romulan ingenuity, resolve, self sufficiency. You took advantage of us at the very moment where we doubted ourselves, enticed us with your empty promises. I did everything in your power to scatter, confuse, and divide us. That is not so. I promise you. You promise? I promise.
0: All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is patreon.com slash file. Couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. And as always, we give a special th- shout out to our Captain Tier supporters, Andrew Churlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Musk, David Beermore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH twenty eight, Jacob 123, Jeffrey Coke, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier Six, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi Robert Cummins, Russell Eld, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, uh no, Sean, Stefan Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Hiles, Vault Thirteen Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much much guys for supporting the show much appreciated hopefully you're enjoying star trek picard clay i think we kind of wrapped up our thoughts about this one i i I hope that there are more episodes like this one and i feel that this was a very much a it's funny to me how similar this series feels to the mandalorian at this point where now that we're kind of established as to what's going on it feels like you could have a bunch of episodes in a row that are sort of one-off planet of the week episodes like this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this one's a little bit more than that because elnor has been picked up by the crew and stuff but it does feel if it weren't for that big epic what's going on with the borg and the romulans i feel like you could settle into a picard trying to do something small and then going through various phases of dealing with the regrets of his life it's just that the the borg thing is sitting there waiting to be reconciled and i wonder how well the show is going to do at combining the two of those things
1: yeah and like Picard doesn't even know the Borg are involved yet.
0: Yeah, no one, no one really knows anything about the stakes that are going on. Yeah, yeah.
1: which is really weird to me that they're f- halfway through the season and like they, the good guys don't even know what's going on. Right, and uh, and not even like in a in a mysterious oh of man, it's going to be crazy when they find out. It's just like they don't. I'm not even sure they know where they're going.
0: Well, it seems to me like if they were to find out next episode, they'd be hugely undermanned. For the scale oh, of yeah. the problem Big that they're time. dealing with. Yeah,
1: if if next episode they go down to uh Space Mohegan and <laughs> uh and they're like and someone down there with an eye patch or something is like, Oh, you don't know what's going on, Picard. They there's the something something Borg ship and he would immediately, I would hope, be like, We're gonna need more ships. We're yeah. <laughs> something you know, <laughs> I'm going
0: to need people who are familiar with how these ships work. I can't yeah, have. I need to holograms. immediately
1: go back to Earth or Beta Z and find Riker. That's why he goes and finds Riker.
0: <laughs> He's like, "Will the Borg are back?" Well, Riker takes I, his bathrobe off and gets dressed.
1: I wasn't going to ask you guys to come on this journey with me, but frankly, uh, the Borg are back, and I need to, I need the big guns. <laughs> Des- Desperado's gonna call in his two other buddies who also shoot stuff out of their uh, guitar. Cases.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Picard knows that Frakes is an expert at shooting the Borg. His first contact is a great Star Trek movie. So, yeah.
1: Well, he also the problem the problem with Riker when he shoots the Borg is that he just keeps dialing up the phaser blast right. until it eventually makes it through their shield. He so doesn't want to do patient.
0: it. He doesn't want to kill them. He he wishes they would
1: just not they would stop him from having to kill them, but they just can't do it. Yeah, Uh, quick question. I don't know if we've actually ever talked. We haven't talked about this yet. What are the chances we see an appearance by the Enterprise on this? Maybe we talked about it early, like, before the show started, but do you think... Well, they've had that dream sequence, so outside of that... you no, 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 about- no, no, no. I'm talking about, like, Enterprise F or whatever number they're up to at this point. I would say
0: I would be extremely... think extremely unlikely. I would say there's, like, a 10% chance really? that says, yeah, that happens. I
1: don't know. I have this feeling, like, once Starfleet gets... Cause- you have to imagine the next thing that's going to drop in this story, although it's tough because, because of the way the story is working, and, we, and it's sort of two separate stories right now that haven't crossed over yet. It's difficult to kind of map out what they're doing here, but you would think, at least for Picard's angle, there's going to be a certain point where Starfleet finds out what he's doing, and so they're going to need to send someone to stop him, or at the very least, he's going to do something that's going to go wrong and they're going to need to be either rescued or they're going to be picked up by a Starfleet ship. Well, you know it's strange. We haven't seen a, a Federation starship yet. No, in this series, and it makes me—I—I I almost feel like the design team is nervous or something. Mm. Like if you have to design, I mean, they did—they—they they nailed it with the Enterprise for Discovery, and the Discovery itself ship looks pretty cool. But like, it's—it—it it, it feels like they're either either saving it. Or it's like, ooh, I don't really know if we have, if that's a big task to redesign the Enterprise or like to redesign the Excelsior class or something. Right, know or if come really up with a new kind
0: of starship is a big thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, which I don't, I, based on the ships in the show, I, I'm not super excited because they all seem really kind of stock looking.
0: And, well, interestingly, they show you a very old warbird in this one, which, yes. which is just straight, one, like, they don't give a reason why that's the case that he has control of that very old warbird, but
1: it is. Yeah, and, yeah. That was one of those things where it's like, I assume this guy's coming back or something because they made a big deal out of that. They didn't show the guy who was piloting the ship. And then they just blew him up fairly easily. Yeah, she like, shot, his wing, even, shot his wing off. <laughs> why even bother doing that and having him fly like a – unless it's just straight up fan service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and if if that's the case, that's the kind of fan service that I don't really think is necessary. I, I guess because, you can I mean, make the argument that, that – ship is like 200 years old. Right. That, the point. reason <laughs>
0: the reason he's so easily defeatable is because his ship is so goddamn old. Like that. that's sure. maybe what they're going at, but they don't it, – It's another thing of like – if if that's the intent of the scene, I wonder why a character doesn't just say something along the lines of like, Why is his ship so old? Like
1: Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I, I have I'm I've got this feeling in the back of my mind, like there's gonna be a moment where Picard needs to be knocked down a peg, and the way they're gonna do that is by having him saved by the Enterprise. And then they end up on the Enterprise for some reason, and he's kind of gets essentially chewed out by the captain of the Enterprise.
0: Hmm. I I would be I'd be disappointed if that happened. I I think so far everything we've seen is that they're trying to separate from that. The only the only thing that's kind of strange to me is along those lines is that if you don't see Federation starships very often it doesn't feel like you're really operating within Starfleet in a lot of ways. Right. Like it feels right. like you're outside of that. And this takes place in the beta quadrant. I don't know if star I don't know if Picard is supposed to be outside of Federation territory at this point, or if he's within it, it's not very clear. I j- it, um, I just, I feel like between the fact that the only admiral that we really get a lot of contact with is a undercover agent for the Romulans. It seems like Clancy yelled at him. But outside of that, we haven't really had much interference from Starfleet. Like, they don't contact the ship saying, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get back from there. He's not he's not having to avoid starships or anything like that on his quest. So, just setting it in into the universe of Star Trek, it does feel strangely devoid of other starships in this uh, yeah. area. And, like, you'd want to see other starships sort of uh, spinning around or at these places, and I don't know why you're not seeing that, I guess.
1: And also, it just feels like... It's it's weird to me if the 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 biggest presence of Starfleet in the show is on Earth, right? Yeah, you know, because it feels like uh, again, it it feels like one of those things where it's a looming obstacle that he has to avoid would be Starfleet because he's actively going against Starfleet after he asked them to help him, and they're like, no, yeah, go fuck yourself, yeah. Um, so I would I would be shocked if we don't run into more starfleet people along the uh, along the way like uh at the very least i hope he gets some sort of angry angry communication from the admiral or something like it it feels like it needs one of those yeah
0: yeah we'll see yeah so i i would say it's I would say that the lack of a, a Federation presence is a little bit strange, and I wonder—I wonder if it's a intentional thing or if they just think that the story doesn't really need it. But it does—it does feel divorced from the universe in some ways when he doesn't yeah. interact, and he's talking about Space Rangers instead of like the Federation coming in or doing things like that. So we'll see.
1: And especially with the Borg Cube thing and the ro- it is so weird to me that. This, like, Borg cube reclamation restoration project is happening, and Starfleet apparently has no idea and also no presence. Right. Like, given that everybody inside the cube—I mean, I guess it's being run by the Romulans, but everybody else inside is pretty much, like, from everywhere, Um, even though I don't still understand who any of those people are or why they're there. Right, right? or how how do
0: you get word out about this and not have the Federation hear about it? Yeah. yeah? Because I guess you could— you could argue that the synth attack has apparently turned them inward, and maybe they're not, they're not out looking for that, but it's it's another one of those, like, the script can't have a line from one of the Reclamation directors or Hugh saying that because of the Federation's reticence to, like, go outside of its borders, we're relatively free to operate here with Exactly, this thing. yes. Yeah. yeah something so, like
1: that. Yeah. You know, maybe they're, uh, f- I mean, I guess the neutral zone probably doesn't exist anymore. But... Right. <laughs> I was, but traditionally it would be something like, well, the board Cube is right in the middle of the neutral zone, which the Star Starfleet won't even come near it.
0: That's so. the that's the ultimate burn to the Romulans, and Admiral's just like, oh right, there is no neutral zone anymore because your planet <laughs> blew up.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you want, you can just hang out in the. Oh wait, I'm sorry,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Captain Nero. Let's uh, wrap it up there. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. That was a
1: supernova of a burn right there, wasn't (laughs) it?
0: Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the content. We'll be back with the next episode, which is called, I forget what it's called. Do you remember? It was on the Stardust City Rag, which is the greatest Bowie song of all time, I
1: think. Stardust City Rag. That's such a TNG, or that's more. That feels more of like a Deep Space Nine title to me. It
0: does. Yeah, that's that's a late season, a late series DS Nine title. I think. I just think of Bowie. Uh, That's what it reminds me of. But we'll go. We're
1: like uh, that's a Deep Space Nine episode where um, where. Bashir is having relationship problems, so he he demands everybody follow him to his favorite uh, honky tonk from the twenties program that he has. Or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have a question for you based on uh, the starships that we just got talking. Uh, we were talking mm-hmm. about a minute ago. What's the name of Rios' ship?
1: Oh God, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have known this either. I'm just looking at it now, and I find that interesting that you don't know what the name of the ship is. Uh, should I? No, though, I find it interesting that neither of us would know it. That's oh, a, like yeah. a, It's called the La Serena is the name of it. But oh. for a show that has always been about how important the ship is to it, not that this series needs to be important, but like I'm just surprised in a Star Trek show you don't know the name of the ship that you're spending your time on. That's a very... It feels like one of those things yeah. that the characters say it a hundred times an episode in every other Star Trek. Even uh, Discovery would bring up Discovery all the time and stuff like that. But here no. and Are you surprised how big his ship is? What's the metaphor for why there's no rooms? Is it just that he's... A, is that a psychological statement on Rios? That there's like is this big th- open cavern in the middle of it?
1: Oh, is that a thing? Is it like there's... I don't. Is there no rooms on the ship?
0: Well, I think there are, but the the bridge is just this big open space. So yeah, it makes it, I wasn't yeah. sure.
1: Like in my, I was thinking like if this was TNG Deep Space Nine era, that ship would probably look like it was the the Defiant, essentially. Right. It was like a yeah. really tight tight quarters bridge, or I, like any uh, any Klingon ship that they ever show, where it's like it's a fairly small bridge because they had to build it in like the the small set next door.
0: Yeah. I, just, I, I thought it was a statement on Rios being empty inside or lacking sure. of something. Could but be. I, I, Yeah, why not? I, I don't know. We'll have to see if it, uh, if it amounts to Maybe anything. he
1: just really likes playing racquetball.
0: Yeah, exactly. He, he loves the acoustics of this. With the, with the drywall down, you can really hear the echo and reverb.
1: <laughs> he just likes to sit in the middle and play his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> this book is about the conscious human desire.
0: All right. That's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Clay, do you have anything you want to plug before we call it a day? Uh, We've got the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the mo- horror movie podcast I'm doing with Amanda, Amanda who joined us on uh, the Wes Craven episodes of Real Ripe and Real Rotten. And uh, next week, right? The next one comes out next week? Is it next week? It might be. Yes, I think it I is, think, right? Yeah. Yep. The next one, actually, uh, Wes will be joining us for... Wes Craven's new nightmare to to round out our uh, West Craven series. So, right. uh, you, you come join us if you want to hear Wes be uh, flabbergasted. To a Wes Craven movie. <laughs> flabbergasted by West
0: Craven. Flabbergasted by West Craven. I didn't like the movie, so that's your teaser for it. Well, you can check out Rotten Horror Picture Show. There'll be a link down below. You can follow that.
1: I hate I hate to step on the the, the best the best opening line of an episode we've had so far, but he does say. If this movie is number 170, that means there has to be 169 good horror movies. Yeah, there's only 169
0: good horror movies (laughs) at that point. It's true. It's true. It's a really bad movie. So you guys can watch that and then go check that out. And uh, that'll be it. It's the Rotten Horror Picture Show. There's a link down below. You can follow it. Cool. I guess that's it. We're done. We'll be back with Stardust City Rag next week. Thank you very much for listening. And see you next time.